Good morning, anchors. It is Friday, September 16, 2022, a great day for our future. We have 2,996 days left until Thanksgiving Day 2030. Here's today's questions from our anonymous confessional from buymeacoffee.com slash worldpeace. Free. Remember, this is entertainment. I am a real minister, ordained by the Immaculate Church of the Internet. This way, we can be the world's most functional safe space. So download the Anchor app. That way, you can leave us voicemails. We'll play on our show. With Anchor, you can make a podcast of your own. And with World Peace free, together we can make it easy for everyone to be neighborly. Help us stay ad-free with just $3 virtual coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash worldpeace. Free. You can even message us anonymously. Just make sure you click the button for privacy. Question number one. Dear Time Traveling Minister, I think your show is great. Oh, yeah, I think your show is great timing. And we need something like it these days. But you need consistency. I hear you. We need you, especially right now with this whole weaponizing the FBI thing. I don't know if they're weaponizing it. We'll talk about it. This is bull poop. How do you expect us to believe anyone after we cross these lines? I'm honestly at a loss for words. I don't have the energy for this. Please say something about this issue. Sincerely, tired. <sighs> Look, we built this place to be the world's most functional safe space. We say that all the time. We know that the people that are watching and commenting and liking your videos are really our fans because they know we're here to visually prove that there are people that exist to spread hate, humiliation, chaos, and division. And then there's people that want peace. I say this all the time so you could wonder if you're doing enough for peace or chaos. This way, this place could be the best space to compare notes in a world where media is, says it's better to be first than right. And that's what what Denzel Washington was talking about in that clip that he had uh, uh, that's floating around where he's uh, talking about uh, we're about to see if too much information is a good thing. We're noticing a culture where it's better to be first than correct in whatever you're saying. And it's almost to the point where people don't read the retractions anymore. They're just going at going after whatever is uh, at the front of their of their of their algorithms, you know? So, once again, that's all I could do. That's all we could do here. Just, just keep on talking about the things that you feel is important now and decades from now. Question number two. Dear Time Traveling Minister, I had an encounter with a group of Gen Z that, to my face, corrected me in my speech when I simply said, Hey, guys. Specifically, they insulted me saying people from your generation tend to use gender dominant language or something like that. I dismissed it. Uh, after th but after thinking about it, it really bothers me the way they assumed their way of speaking is the right way of speaking. It might be empathetic, but it also got in the way of work. What do we do when this BS is in the workplace? All right, first of all, I could only give my opinion because to me, this is an evolution of a phenomenon we've all experienced before. And when I'm done explaining, you will have the mindset that will keep you calm while living in an age where people have gained the audacity to police language and call you the fascist. So let's begin with something that we all have experienced before. When your parents trashed on something that you clearly like. What corner did they force you into? Either submit to their authority or reject it. Back to your situation. You're actually not dealing with a new phenomenon. Do you remember the Bible thumpers that kept on correcting you on how to think about God, lecturing you not to cuss, and not to have sex before marriage? 
It's like those people, but the opposite. Both of them have their experts and influencers, and, and all you could do is recognize when someone's speaking the language of their movement versus the language that they would use as an individual. Someone smarter than me, named George Carlin, mentioned that you could find the answers to the universe when you speak to the individual. But the individual gets lost when they're in the movement. With this sentiment, we could talk with anybody. And to those policing people on how to communicate, uh, trust me, it's more functional to teach people to see what folks are trying to communicate with you. But it requires a sense of empathy and a humble attitude. And this is where the nuance comes in. Because now the, dumb, the Bible thumpers thinking that are, thinking, are thinking that I'm about to praise them when I'm not. I'm not. You are not humble if you think God gave you, a human, the final say. If anything, he created a world where we needed to learn from each other. And if you're one, but if you're one of those non-traditionals happy that I'm smacking down those pesky uppity Christians, where is your empathy and humble attitude when you're dealing with the folks trying to understand your perpetually developing language? At the end of the day, I feel anything non-traditional is destined for an internal debate with the structures of tradition. Because I feel anyone identifying with a non-traditional party is destined for uncertainty. Traditional might be boring, but at least it's guided with eternal concepts like grace, redemption, and divine providence. Tomorrow's question. I really messed up. What's the best advice you have for deep, hard feelings of failure? I'm going to give you something quick right now. Look, you learn from your vulnerabilities. You learn from your vulnerabilities when you fail. You also learn that you survive 100% of your worst days. You will get over it. Of course, our answers are always available for our locals on WPFF.locals.com. You can listen to the podcast there, Spotify, or Anchor, but only locals could break space time with us. Let's do the YouTube intro. Welcome to World Peace, free, everyone's favorite audience-generated museum of events until 2030. I'm your time-traveling host, and you're in the future, so if you haven't yet, please subscribe so we can be the biggest YouTube channel not part of the Ad Money program. Today is Fair Enough Friday, dealing with the topics that can only be shared on our cancel-proof platform. I'm not here to judge, just here to listen and give my honest opinion. Uh, clip number one, here we go. Do you want to live in a world where Tom Cruise was right about antidepressants? Dear Time Traveling Minister, do you know Matt Walsh? No, I'm not trying to get you canceled. I'm merely using your platform to show people how much us backwards conservatives, backwards conservatives have been saying this about these pills the entire time. You mean to tell me we've been taking these pills for decades for nothing? Imagine the irreversible damages. Imagine the alternate life we would be living. Can you tell me any positives from this? Sincerely, Ultra Chad Harrington. Um, I think it's better if I just play the clip without, without saying anything. This is the first time I'm just like dedicating a day to far-sider content. I don't want to say left or right. They're just far-sides. As you listen to the, to, the, uh, to the questions recently... That's who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like th th there's there's the people that want to talk and talk nuance, and then there's the folks that like just take up a side and they're part of the movement and they're not gonna talk to you as an individual anymore, and uh, that's what I'm trying to say here. And kind of get the sense from this uh, from this, yeah, you know, like oh look, that's this is the this is what's gonna happen in the first day. Uh, we're we're featuring content like this. All right, let's check this out. Toxic373 says, reminder, Tom Cruise was right when he scolded Matt Lauer on the Today Show about psychiatry and antidepressants. 
He actually was right. Let's go back, uh, because you, you mentioned it, let's go back and remember. This was Tom Cruise back in, I think it was like 2004 or 5. This was, this was a while ago. This was over 15 years ago. And he had this conversation with Matt Lauer and, uh, on the Today Show about psychiatry and psychiatric medicine and depression. And he has been mocked ruthlessly for this ever since. But it turns out he was 100% right. Let's watch that again. See, see that, that right there. That's, that's why I need to know. I will, let's watch the clip first because I can't say that he was 100% right. Let's just see. Here we are today where I talk out against drugs and psychiatric abuses of electric shocking people, mm -hmm. okay, against their will, of drugging children with them not knowing the effects of these drugs. Do you know what Adderall is? Do you know Ritalin? Do you know now that Ritalin is a street drug? Do you understand that? The difference is this no, was no, not Matt, against Matt, your Matt, will, Matt, though. Matt, but Matt, this wasn't Matt, against asking your question. Will. Matt, I'm asking you a question. I understand Do, there's no. abuse of all of these things. No, you see, here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. All it does is mask the problem, Matt. And if you understand the history of it, it masks the problem. That's what it does. That's all it does. You're not getting to the reason why. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. I'm saying that drugs aren't the answer, that these, these drugs are very dangerous. They're mind-altering, antipsychotic drugs. And there are ways of doing it without that so that we don't end up in a brave new world. Yes, there are abuses. And yes, maybe they've gone too far in certain areas. Maybe there are too many kids on Ritalin. Maybe electric too shock... Too many is... kids on Ritalin. Matt. I'm just saying, but, but aren't there Matt. examples where it Matt. works? Matt, Matt, you, you don't even... You're glib. You don't even know what Ritalin is. If you start talking about chemical imbalance, you have to evaluate and read the research papers on how they came up with these theories, Matt. Okay? That's what I've done. And you go and you say, where's the, where's the medical test? Where's the blood test that says how much Ritalin you're supposed to get? You're, you're, it's very impressive to listen to you because clearly you've done the homework and, and you know the subject. And you should. And, 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 and you should do that also because just knowing people who are on Ritalin isn't enough. Hold up, before he starts talking. Um, yeah, I know the show, the, the thing about our show is we're trying not to interrupt in the clips and we're not going to be that reaction channel. But, God, man, that's tough because, like, I'm dealing with things that I really do believe in. I do believe in... Uh, I do... I don't... I First of all, I believe that I you shouldn't just take the words of celebrities as advice at the same time. Ooh. I, I, that's the thing. I've never... I've never taken... Pills before. All right, let's see what let's see what uh, what Matt Walsh says. I've never taken pills before. Is, is what I'm trying to say. I've never been medicated before, but um, I guess this is the product of me being indoctrinated. I don't know, uh, but or uh, like of me being in a world where like psychiatric drugs was normalized. I mean, no, I know people in my family that do do that that used to take it, are taking it, etc. etc. And there's uses for all things in this world, I believe. But let's check out what this guy says. That uh, he couldn't be more right about everything that he said. And what he says there at the end, though, well, just because you know someone on this drug and you say it works, that's, that's not enough to declare that the drugs should be prescribed or that they work. But that has always been the response. Right, you, what Matt Lauer is that Matt Lauer, I thought, did a very good job of playing the role of the kind of hapless, uh, uninformed person 
who has dipped their toe into this issue and has a lot of anec- has has a few anecdotal stories and then main and then and then kind of goes along with the mainstream narrative because of it. He's playing that role, you know, uh, convincingly because that's who he actually is and was. It still is, presumably. But everything you heard from Matt Lauer in that exchange is like I've I've heard the same thing so many times over the years. You 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 make all these points. You have data. You, you, you make all these points, you have data and research about the, the medicines right that now. these, the so-called medicines that uh, pharma is, is giving out, um, about the psychiatric industry, the way they go about these, these issues. You, you have your criticisms that are well thought out, based in research, based in the data. And then what you always get in response is, yeah, but I know someone. I know someone who felt better with it. And then, well, it might be overdiagnosed, but certainly. And then you, you hand what, just by, 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 with the acknowledgement that it might be overdiagnosed, you hand wave away 65 million people on psychiatric medication. And Tom Cruise, again, has been mocked for that ruthlessly ever since. He was 100% right. Now, Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. And as people have pointed out online over the last day or two, that, well, this doesn't vindicate Tom Cruise because he's a Scientologist and his criticisms of psychiatry are rooted in in Scientology. And the part that he doesn't say is that, yeah, modern psychiatry is flawed. You shouldn't take these drugs. You should be a Scientologist instead. That's the part he doesn't say in the interview, but but that's what he means. That's where he's leading to. And you might be right about that. In fact, you probably are. Well, he is a Scientologist, and yeah, okay, so you're right about that. But it doesn't change the fact that what he says there is true. And the fact that the kooky, crazy Scientologist has more insight into this issue and makes more sense than most other people talking about it, the fact that the Scientologist makes more sense than most of the psychiatrists and big pharma executives on this issue, um, that's not embarrassing for those of us who agree with Tom Cruise. That's embarrassing for the rest of you. That Tom Cruise is smarter than you on this uh, this subject. If you disagree with Tom Cruise on that, and then and then and Tom Cruise is is vindicated. You you should you should really look at yourself and 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 ask yourself like, well, how did the Scientologist get this right and I didn't? That should be the wake up call. If you want to, jo- huh? He makes a point there. Uh, that's the that's all that's all social media though. All of us are making our points. I said this many times before. We're here to record our experiences so the kids of our the the kids of our kids in the next generation cycle. Don't repeat the same mistakes that we make. And is there a world where we don't have that many medications and we don't turn into the a brave new world, which is a, a reference to a, I feel is that a Terrence McKenna book? No, Aldous Huxley. That's an Aldous Huxley book. Oh man, I'm screwing up. Anyway, so um, that in that mo- in that uh, and it's also a reboot in the show uh, uh, in a show that's as the time I'm filming right now. A brave new world is where. Uh, the story is basically uh, you. It's a utopian. It's base. It's it's centered in a utopian society where basically everybody is taking pills, and no one like there's no borders anymore, and everybody is uh, there for each other. If you guys uh, know what I mean, like there's no marriage in that world. It's literally like 
free. Everything's free. And that's the thing about utopian societies. It's fun to write stories about, but it, we live in reality here, and we have to create an environment where we could talk to each other and talk nuance in a peaceful and calm way. That's the only way we can move forward. And if you're coming, if you're coming at this situation with a um, antagon, uh, some antagonism in your heart, you gotta check that out. And before you walk into the arena where uh, intellectual debates and and things that could be moved happen. All right. I could already see the words for this for this next one. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. Andrew Tate on Tucker Carlson. Dude, it happened. Andrew Tate and Tucker Carlson, please immortalize this moment. Love you. Bye. Let's check this out. Do 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 do. And boop. Until a couple months ago, we'd never heard of him. And then the other day, virtually every tech company on the planet banned him. Not just his presence but also his ability to conduct business on the internet. He was taken off Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, all of it. Then they started telling you that not only was he not allowed to talk, but that you weren't allowed to like him because he was an incredibly bad person. And our view on that always is we'll decide for ourselves since we're adults and Americans and we'll listen to anyone we want and we'll come to any conclusion we care to come to about what that person is about. So we sat down at some length and talked to Andrew Tate and we wanted to show you some of it so you could make up your own mind, which you're still allowed to do as far as we're concerned. Here's part of the interview. I don't really feel like I've exposed anything. Like, I'm truly not a very political person. This is the first time someone's experienced this level of ban. I'm not particularly right-wing. I don't vote. I mean, I obviously have my own personal views, but they didn't ban me for that. Um, they banned me simply because I had large swaths of the population agreeing to very traditional masculine values, teenage men and young, and young men, 20, 30, 22, 23, 24, were looking up to me and aspiring to be like me. I have a very traditionally masculine life. I have fast cars and a big house and, and a lot of money and a beautiful girlfriend. And they thought, they thought this was very, very threatening. And for some reason, they decided that it's better if they annihilate me from the internet and replace me with somebody who's more aligned with whatever they're trying to purport. Tell us what your message is to young men. Yeah, so I think that being a man is very, very difficult. I think that men's issues are largely overlooked. The people in charge of the world pretend to care, but when somebody who's champion, champion, championing men's issues like myself comes forward and finally manages to garner huge percentiles of the public support, I'm silenced. So they're not really interested in men's issues. And there's a lot of young men growing up today that feel very disaffected. They feel invisible. The agendas that are being forced down their throats are not agendas they align with or they feel affinity to or agendas they want. And I basically just say to men, look, it's a very hard life. You're going to need to get up, work hard, go to the gym. Strong body is a strong mind. You're going to have to reject listening blindly to everything you're told, reject the slave mind, think for yourself, get a strong network of brothers, work aside them, don't tolerate low quality people in your life, which means don't tolerate men who just smoke drugs and play video games, or men who are disloyal or dishonest. By extension, don't tolerate women or girlfriends who are disloyal or dishonest, and try and build and create a reality full of high quality people in which you can resist the programming that the matrix tries to uh, influence you with and grow up truly happy. And what happens is when I say these things, they ignore 95% of what I say, 
They ignore me saying that you need to avoid low-quality men, and they take the bit where I say avoid women who are dishonest, and then they put it on a, a reel, a very short three- or four-second clip, and then they say I'm a misogynistic person and I'm dangerous to women and I need to be banned. The problem is that the majority of young men in the world today are completely invisible, and social media has made them invisible. If you go into an Instagram feed, you have extremely beautiful women, which is fine. That's They're beautiful. They're allowed to take pictures. But the only men who have followers are men with massive social status, right? Men with Ferraris and money or rappers or people who have YouTube channels, interesting people. If you're a normal man with a normal job, you don't really exist in the online world. It's very difficult to get followers. Nobody replies to your DMs. You don't really matter. You don't have access to the sexual marketplace. It's very difficult for you to even get any kind of recognition that you're even alive. And a lot of men feel lost and lonely because of that. And I was championing to a degree their issues by saying to them, look, that is unfair perhaps, but that's the way the game works. You need to become a man of importance. You need to become a man of influence or you're gonna suffer the pain of being invisible forever. Here is how you do it. I wasn't trying to change the rules of the game. I was just telling the men how to win because I came from nothing and I'm completely and utterly self-made. Censored man and in the world. I think the reason a lot of men are so depressed is because they feel invisible. They feel like the life is life is too hard. Women expect me to be strong and smart and funny and interesting with a nice apartment and a fast car and tall and well-connected and funny. And, and it's just too much for them to handle. And the social pressure on men is absolutely immense. And I was championing their issues. And at the same time, all these social media platforms pretend to care. As soon as somebody they resonate with stands up and champions their issues, they mass blanket ban me, which shows they have absolutely no care for the young men of the world today. They think that by banning me, I'm just going to vanish and the young men are just going to go and start eating the gruel that they're fed on their on their YouTube feed. They don't want to read. They don't want to see transgender people wear makeup. They don't want to see that. They, they want to see a man who has a bunch of money and a nice life and some fast cars and is strong and is confident. They want an action hero. And that's something that large portions of the world still want to be. And, and YouTube and, and social media platforms obviously just don't like the idea of that. They want to get rid of me and try and replace me with something they see as far more malleable, trying to create people which are more malleable and more easy to program and more easy to control. So news accounts in the United States say that the U.S. Embassy in Bucharest, Romania was tipped off to your misdeeds and alerted the local authorities you might be committing human trafficking. Um, given that this is the same charge they leveled against Julian Assange or a species of it, you know, skeptical, but I, I want to know the details. Were you arrested for human trafficking? What, what happened? Yeah, I was not arrested. So what happened is I suffered from a case of swatting. It's very popular with people who are large on the internet. Many large YouTubers have been swatted. It's where you call the police and you say somebody has a gun or there's a hostage situation and the SWAT team arrives. Somebody made a phone call to the American embassy saying that I was holding women at my house. The police arrived. And let me state this now. I state this uh, openly to the world. I have absolute respect for the police. I would hate to live in a country where if you call the police saying women are being held against their will, that the police don't respond. That would be terrible. Of course they should come and look. Absolutely. They turned up. They investigated. They realized that nobody was in the house against their will. There was no crime committed. They said, okay, you're not a suspect, but you are a witness to this, along with me, my brother, the housekeeper, uh, the gardener. Everybody who was in the premises at the time was labeled a witness. 
We had to go to the police station for 45 minutes for pieces of paper. We filled them in and we were let go. I was swatted. Nobody was hurt. There's no human trafficking. There's no women who were tied up. There's none of these things. It's all just complete fallacy. You probably made some of these companies mad with your views on COVID. So sum up for us, if you would, what you think the response to COVID globally did to the populations of the West. Yeah, so I certainly made the mag with my views on COVID. I don't want to go to conspiracy theory, and I would also never kill myself. Let me just say that here for, for, for the record. But at the time of COVID, at the time of COVID first being announced, my brother and I decided to, we sat and had a very logical conversation, and we sat and said, we're two young fighting age males. If COVID can kill us, then the world is over. It's zombie apocalypse time. So there's no point hiding. We may as well go out with a bang. So my brother and I flew to Stockholm, Sweden. Now, I don't know if many people know this, but Sweden never closed down. Stockholm and Sweden had never closed down, never made you wear masks, never mandated the vaccine. At the very beginning of COVID, when the rules were strictest, when Florida was still closed, when Miami was still closed, when the Republican states were still closed, Stockholm, Sweden was wide open with full nightclubs and a party scene like you've never seen. And we lived in Sweden for three solid months with zero restrictions, zero worry or interest in COVID. It was like the world was completely normal. And from there, when we left, obviously COVID was still going on. And in a neighboring country, you go to Germany and they were having full panic attacks, genuine panic attacks if you didn't have a mask on. And it was just very obvious to me. I was like, I've spent the last three months ignoring this and I'm fine. And now I'm in Germany surrounded by panic attacks and endless math. This, this doesn't make sense. And I told the truth on social media. I said, this is obviously an overreaction, the decimation of your income, the fact you can't go get a doctor's appointment for a genuine ailment or a genuine risk of cancer, for example, the fact that you can't see your loved ones in their final days. These things are far more destructive than the common cold. I think that what they're doing is is unfair. I think it's a massive overreaction. And this is based on my personal experience. And I think at the time there was a lot of pushback, but I would like to think now that 99% of the world see I was totally right. You know, it's kind of funny, Tucker, I'll tell you, when at the height of COVID, I used to say to my brother, how will people struggle with the cognitive dissonance when this is all over? Because COVID is still out there. Nothing's gone away. The thing that we were all hiding from is still right there, out there to get you. But now everyone walks around and they're not scared of it anymore. And I'm like, are people critical enough to analyze themselves and say, for a year of my life, I was deathly afraid of something. Now I'm exposing myself to said thing and I'm not afraid anymore. The media tricked me and I was a fool, but they're not. They're, they don't even seem to self-analyze and go, I got tricked. They're just like, oh, okay, next thing. Hey, Andrew now. Like robots, it's it's mind-bending to me, truly. So I, I saw you compare the experience of rich people under COVID, you're one of them, to everybody else. What did you notice about that? It, it seemed like a two-tiered response. Yeah, so the story was very simple. I was flying inside of Europe. There's a lot of low-cost air Care, uh, air carriers is only low cost primarily. There's not much first class, business class, anything like that. And I was flying and my experience was plagued by endless paperwork, wearing a mask, 
put the mask over your nose. Every time you eat, you have to put the mask on in between. Uh, I got told off for not having the mask up high enough. I got told off for drinking too long because my mask wasn't on. Pure panic and chaos. And because I'm fortunate enough to be fiscally secure, from there I decided I'll just buy private jets from now on. And when I bought a private jet, there was no masks, no paperwork, no mask at the airport. When I landed, my air stewardess was not wearing a mask. My pilot was not wearing a mask. COVID didn't exist once I bought a private jet. Very interesting. Um, maybe if you're rich enough, COVID can't take, maybe COVID's scared of money, I'm not sure. But it seems that everyone who's flying on private jets never had to worry about COVID ever. It's just the people at the bottom who had to worry about COVID. And it's kind of interesting, right? Life's always been two-tiered. There's always been this separation in regards to fiscal access. But I think a lot of people in the world today don't realize that it still very much exists. And a lot of the rules are only the rules for a certain class of people. And once you pass a certain wealth index or a certain level of money, you can do basically whatever you want. And, and COVID really highlighted that to me. And it's truly sad. I mean, it's easy for me to make a joke of it, but when I would fly on a private jet and do whatever I wanted or go to Sweden and party in nightclubs and do whatever I wanted, and then I'd come to, let's say, England and see my friend who couldn't go see his dying grandmother because of a COVID restriction, that's truly sad. That's truly criminal. I don't, I, it's really crazy what's happened and how the world's just moved on and the cognitive dissonance that people don't have enough respect for themselves and for the truth to analyze how they were so easily fooled. It, it's really sad to even think about, but maybe that was the beginning of me being disliked by just pointing out my human experiences during the, the pandemic. But I wanna tell you something that's, that's actually kind of scary about this banning. It all came so hard and so fast that I don't know if they all just follow each other. I don't know if they're all influenced by each other. I don't know if there's someone above them all. I don't know. But when they go to cancel you, ladies and gentlemen, it comes hard and fast. You lose your Facebook, then your Instagram, then your Gmail, then your Discord, then your website hosting, then your domain name, like then your payment processor, then your bank. Then like, it's just like in real time, you're watching your phone and apps just exploding. Boom, boom, boom. It's, it's crazy. Andrew Tate, you don't have to agree with everything a man says to believe he has a right to speak in public. And we do believe that. No one gets to tell you who you can watch. No one gets to tell you what you have to think. No one gets to tell you who you have to hate. You're an American and an adult. You can make those decisions yourself. So why don't they want you to hear from Andrew Tate? They really think he's a worse influence on the youth than, say, Cardi B. Tell us how. They're telling us he's a criminal. Okay. Has he been charged? Who are the victims? What are their names? It's going to take a lot more than that to have us believe he should be canceled, or anyone else, by the way. We're against censorship, period. And more than anything, we're in favor of pe people making up their own minds based on the evidence, like adults do. So if you're interested, you can watch the full unedited interview with Andrew Tate after the show on Fox Nation. I would have never imagined that this would be my future, where we could not only just get the full story from the actual source, but it's just available with a click, just boop, like whenever you want. And But that's the thing. People are stuck on... On talking about, I, I know that's the point of our show. We need to create an environment where we could talk about things. But 
uh, what I'm trying to say here, people are 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 interested more in other people's opinions versus making their own. And it's funny, I only know about Andrew Tate from the real, like the really entertaining reels that I guess uh, people don't enjoy. Like, I, I, the one that keeps on coming to my mind is, is uh, I think I don't know if this is multiple times he was there, but there was this, there's this podcast called Fresh and Fit, and I don't I don't know where I, I enjoy the the scene the, the background of that place because they they do it like a late like the actual late night show and like the background is a is a the backdrop of I think Miami or whatever. See that's the thing I don't even there's so many channels there's so much content out there I don't even do research on these things I'm like just flicking away flicking away and by the way. That's the, also a reason why I don't use the, I don't want to use I don't want to see what the algorithm shows me anymore. I want to know what you guys want me to watch. I feel that you like I feel an algorithm based on what my audience wants would be the best kind of uh, algorithm I could I could use versus the one that that that's got me already. Oh man, oh man, I've seen like if I look at my screen time, I'm almost I almost feel so guilty knowing that. That day, I was just staring at a at, 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 at just the screen for for eight hours. Yeah, that was one time during 2020. Woo! But um, we all learn, we all grow, and we all figure things out along the way. It's crazy. It's like those reels are kind of like the the tracks that you that the Bible thumper, the Bible people would give you in order to get you to go to their church. But since it's the since it's the internet now, tracks are the reels, and in those reels you get to kind of show your personality a bit and let people know, like, hey, if you got if you like what I'm preaching, this is where I'm at, and this is what our model of the show is kind of based on. That kind of idea where if you want if you like what we're talking about, you can come to the actual church, and uh, this is the, another reason why we don't we want to. We keep on saying that we want to be the biggest YouTube channel that's not part of the ad money program because we wanted to build a church within the nation of YouTube and then within the nation of uh, social media, thinking like, um, if thinking as if the internet is a new frontier, and you know we got to establish some sort of a place where we could all come together, congregate, and share resources, compare notes, and do our best to become better human beings. And we're getting to that point. The issue with, uh, like, I, I, I guess I could, I got, I could only share my experience. I only uh, with 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 Andrew Tate in my life. I know that buddies of mine, the r- relationships have been rocky. Let's say that like, they have new things to fight on, and that's the point of that's the point of all kinds of social media. Like they they give out these uh these controversial clips and you bring it over to your workplace you bring it over your spouse you bring it over your couple lady um and then you, you you ask for opinions and then sometimes in that argument you don't you don't say the right words <sighs> and the he's not what like i i didn't get it if i didn't get offended by it but i i have a feeling that i know why people are easily offended by it because i remember uh, if those of you who don't know, my background is in communications, and I have an actual communication degree. And I don't know what what the point of that is, because now everything is on the internet. But hey, I'm glad that I went through all the the debates that required the the that were required in order for me to get the degree. And in those debates, I remember being kind of censored for mansplaining. And it's like, it's it's almost un, like you can't defend that when you're in a group of people. And I lost the crowd because the way how I was communicating my my beliefs 
was mansplaining. And I thought about that all. I thought, I think about that to this day about like how this, uh, I was debating a woman and how she could just throw out a term out there. And I, I had all these facts laid out, but she uses an emotional argument and she wins the debate. Like what, how did that even make sense? And I realized what was the issue that she had with my tone. And when I listened to him talking, I know why people don't like him now. And I could have a, and now we have a visual reference of, of why mansplaining is not mansplaining. Specifically, when people think that I'm mansplaining to them, it's actually a tone where you're, you're, when the words come out of your mouth, you're willing to defend them. When you speak that confidently, people, some folks, the sensitive folks, think that you're mansplaining and they shut their brain off. But there's people out there that I could actually intellectually handle it. Therefore, they're the actual movers and shakers. And everybody else, no, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. But long story short, the, uh, that's what they were mad at. The fact that you're confident when you're saying these facts and we're willing to defend ourselves from the words that are coming, uh, we're defending the word, we're willing to defend the words that are coming out of our mouths. And when you think that that's mansplaining or you think that it's, it's, uh, it's making, uh, you have that feeling and you're like, oh, how, how dare this person share a fact? Like we're waiting for you, we're waiting for you to, to stop us. Cause we're willing, we're willing to, to hear your opinion when we're talking. That's what's going on when we're mansplaining. We're willing to listen to you, but we're going to call you out on your bullshit. Ah, no. I cussed. I cussed. That's okay. I just hate losing money. I don't have my, I don't have the roller. I've been, I haven't cussed for a long time. And now the, the jar is going to get filled again. Uh, so for those of you that are watching, this is my cuss jar. And every time I, I'm not supposed to be cussing because I'm, I'm doing my best to be a better person, better Christian, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, at the end of the year, you guys get to vote which church in California this cuss jar goes to. I'm doing my best not to cuss though because it's no bueno. I don't like losing money. Anyway, if you, if we're, we're ready for you to like, anyways, we're ready to, to talk to you with your opinion. We're, we're ready to kind of like, to just get into a conversation. That's all it is. Uh, mansplaining now is a, just a tone where like we give whenever we're like, the topic is exciting for us and we want to be able to talk about it with you. But the moment you start like shutting us down because we're, you think or something is in your brain that says, oh, this person shouldn't be talking this way to me. Like that, that, that's very elitist in my opinion. Cause you're, you're not letting like you're, if you want to say something back, we're here ready for you. And that's, I guess the tone that folks don't enjoy. Like the, the, the tone where like we, like we're ready to confront you with whatever you're going to say. Just make sure that like, all you have to do is just come come at us with respect, because I feel like the only reason why we even come at you with a with a mansplaining tone is because we're actually showing you respect. 
by letting you know like hey look this is my opinion and i'm ready to talk to you about it not like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it to myself and wait for you to stay like that i'm already i'm already i'm already being uh i'm already characterizing situations here's no bueno all i needed to say is that we're we needed to visually prove that there are two types of people in our society people that exist to spread hate humiliation chaos and division and people that want peace. So I put in our in our title, World Peace for Free. And guess what were the two main reactions? What's the show about? And are you Christian? Grr. So we thought it would be fun to go on those websites that give anyone minister credentials and call ourselves the Time Traveling Ministry, because the internet's forever, and open this anonymous confessional and free space. And now we have a place to ask, how would George Carlin start a church? What would happen if the apostles had social media? And for the kids of our kids, what should we normalize? Let us know in the comments below. Even better, leave a voicemail for us at anchor.fm slash worldpeace for free. No, is that world peace free? Share news and events you want to mortalize in our comments sections. Have fun and be neighborly, y'all. And remember, you are loved, missed, and thought about every day. Take care.